0: Welcome to Her Next Play's
1: Power Chat podcast, hosted by Sarah Wegman and Audra Emerson. At Her Next Play, our mission is to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. Sports build powerful leadership skills, and female athletes have enormous leadership and career potential. In our Power Chat podcast, we talk to inspiring women leaders about sports, leadership, and careers. Hi everyone, my guest today is a true role model for girls and women everywhere. Ann Dopner is the Director of Inclusion and Employee Investment for the Minnesota Vikings. During her nearly 14 years with the Vikings, she has held numerous leadership positions, including the Director of Football Administration, where she was one of only two women in the NFL managing salary caps and player contract negotiations. In 2017, Ann founded the local chapter of Women in Sports and Entertainment, Otherwise known as WISE, to provide community and support for fellow women in sports. She graduated from St. Ben's, where she majored in French and communications. She is a highly sought after speaker and was just named a 2020 Women in Business honoree by the Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal. Thank you so much for joining us, Anne. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Good. So, as we talk, Right now, we are a few weeks out from the NFL season and uh, fingers crossed that everything goes smoothly here the next couple of weeks. But how is the team looking and what are your predictions for the season?
0: Yeah, well, it's first I need to comment on the fact that, um, you know, I don't know how the team is looking really (laughs) because I'm not in the building. So we have, um, you know, we have very strict protocols in place for, Um, for the football operation, as it should be, you know, that needs to take priority so that we can hopefully keep going with the preparations for a full regular season as we're trying to do right now. Um, So I think everything looks totally different. You know, as I was sitting down um, to speak to you today, I was reflecting on the fact that tonight would have been our second preseason game. Um, So we'd be in the flow of, you know, seeing our rookies on the field and kind of getting a a taste for what our offense might look like. Or, you know, we have a lot of changes on defense. Who's going to step up and fill those roles? Um, Fingers crossed and knock on wood, everything is going pretty well so far that we're able to um, complete practices and keep everyone safe and healthy and, and plan for hopefully some regular season games starting September 13th.
1: Yes, that's great. Yes, absolutely. Fingers crossed on that. Well, as I mentioned earlier, when you were the director of football administration, you were one of two women at the time in the league negotiating player contracts. And there's been a few before you, a few after you, but tell us about that work and what it was like being one of the only women at the table.
0: Yeah. So. Um... First, I think I'll explain kind of what that director of football administration role entails, if that's helpful. Um, It's it's a lot of compliance work. It's, as you said, managing the salary cap, um, making sure that our player budgets are in line, communicating with our scouting department on possible uh, moves or at least implications of signing players or cutting players or what that means for the whole team um, as a whole, and then a lot of research and analysis. So it's really um, it's a strategic role, like like you mentioned. So it's, it's good for someone who wants to kind of flex their creative brain muscles, but in a very data-driven way. So um, it's a role I grew into. You know, um, I started as an executive assistant and made it to the director level in 2016. And when I was promoted to director, that's when a new responsibility came on my plate. And as you mentioned, was the negotiation of contracts. So being that person directly negotiating with agents, um, being the point person for them to go to and kind of the yes or no or you know making the decisions in those negotiations. So um, something I learned, you know, along the way was that negotiations should never be about winning. You know, it's not a competition. It's not like you're trying to um, obviously you want to, we, me on the club side, I want to create the best case scenario for our club so that we can because we're made up of more than one player. So we have to field a competitive team of 53 plus practice squad players and we have a certain amount of money to make that happen. So so I'm trying to um, get a deal that works for us, but also benefits the player because we have no interest in having a bad relationship with the player as a result of a difficult negotiation. So, um, So it all goes together. It's a relationship business. We're just trying to be as fair as possible. And, and one thing I really think is where women, what they bring to the table is, you know, I, I feel like we're solution oriented. Um, we're creative thinkers. We are relationship builders, I think by nature. And all of that goes into that work. And it can be kind of a refreshing perspective, I think, to bring those kind of things uh, to the table.
1: That's good. And hopefully hearing what that role is all about and some of the skills that go into it, will have some of our listeners see that as an option and maybe we can up those numbers of women represented. You know,
0: absolutely. I think it's a, it's a field that is often um, unknown, right? It's, we have this perception of football teams as the people that you see on the field. So you see the players, you see the coaches, you see the the cheerleaders and the other game entertainment staff and all of that, but you don't see the behind the scenes role. So it's really the representation piece to me is really important um, that we can kind of shine a light on. These are some career options and, and should be for, for women. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I mean, sports in general, right. Remains a male dominated industry, but what lessons have you learned, you know, or what advice do you have for women, maybe looking to get into sports and, and particularly club administration or other male dominated industries? Yeah, well,
0: I have a lot. I think I could do a whole podcast on just my advice. uh, But I'm trying to narrow it down to what I feel is the most important that I want to talk about. Um, These are things that I struggled with candidly. uh, And looking back now, I've learned these lessons. So my goal is to help women get there faster and get through these things more quickly so they can be more productive and rise in their careers more quickly. So the first thing I think I would remind everyone is that you deserve to be where you are you have earned your role you're not lucky you're not you know any of these things that you might hear um, you earned your way to the the seat that you have and that can be hard to remember I think when you look around a room and you're the only one because you feel different you are different candidly If if you are in an environment that is, is made up of people that don't look like you or don't share your lived experience. Um, but, but it's just really important to remember that you have earned your right to be there. Another thing is, I would tell younger women coming up that you need to be your own advocate as much as possible. You should not be sitting around waiting for an opportunity. Look for them, they will come. They, they may not be obvious as, as such as someone saying, you know, here's a promotion and it's right here on a plate for you. Take it and let's go. That's not necessarily how it works. And if you sit around waiting for that to happen to you rather than kind of strategically seeing where you could make a difference and where you could contribute or add something that isn't being done, and then taking those opportunities and speaking up and asking for them, um, that's something really women to do too.
1: That's fantastic advice, and I wholeheartedly agree. I feel like it is a little bit of what you did when you are able to transition uh, into this most recent role as director of inclusion and employee investment and you saw the need and crafted the position and sold yourself to the executive leaders as being the solution to that problem. Tell the group about it. Cause I think there's so many wonderful life lessons and it's a great example of what you just talked about.
0: Yeah. So um, what, one other thing that I didn't mention in the advice piece, but I think applies here is, to get really comfortable being uncomfortable. I think we've all heard that a lot now. Um, I still have to remind myself of that because I feel like I'm uncomfortable to some degree every single day. Um, I was in my old role. And now in this new role, I'm um, definitely uncomfortable in a different way. So the way this came about is really truly out of that lived experience I had being a woman in football operations. And part of that role, and anytime you're on a, you know, on the Football operations side of the business, or basketball, basketball operations, whatever sport you're in, where you're directly involved with the competitive product and the team on the field, you're always trying to be better, right? So you're always looking for ways, or you should be at least, always trying to improve your competitive standing. So what can we be doing differently? What should we be doing more of? What isn't working? Just constant analysis of, of how. To put the best product on the field and what it would take to get there and so that mentality of always trying to be better is something that always has driven me and it's a fun thing to latch on to because if you have that mentality there's endless options for how you can continue to grow and learn and new ways of thinking and nobody has anything figured out as much as some people might let on like they do nobody does so sh- so we should all be constant learners and striving for better ways and so I felt like what started to become more important to me um, was how can I make this organization as the Vikings specifically, but also the industry. How can I make this industry better in the sense of making it a more inclusive environment based on my lessons that I've learned? So that really started to drive me. I started to do a lot of work for the NFL, speaking engagements at their forums where they, um, that they set up to try to build more of a pipeline for women into football roles, coaches, scouts, trainers, salary cap, all that. Um, And that's where I think I really found my passion and my calling was to not only just exist in the space that I occupied, but to make that space more uh, inclusive and more welcoming, and healthy for all different kinds of people Um, so that drove me to see where we had some work to do at not only at our club but across the league and i felt like i had a unique perspective in that because i grew up on the football side Um, the business side is where a lot of these changes would need to be made in order to affect the whole organization so I brought this proposal to our um, COO at the time, Kevin Warren, who is now the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference. Um, he was very enthusiastic about it. Of course, he's he's known well known for being a, a pioneer and a champion of diversity and inclusion. Um, we went through a couple of organizational leadership changes, including Kevin's departure, and it took a little bit of time. But um, but I came into this role within the last year, and um, I'm just really excited. I think for the, the potential and the work that we, that we have to do and the capacity now to make change since we have someone focused on the work full time.
1: Explain for maybe those who aren't as familiar with diversity and inclusion work, I mean, you talked about making a more equitable and comfortable space, you know, for everyone within the organization. Give... Our audience a sense for kind of what that means, or maybe some of the work that you're specifically trying to lead within the Vikings or the NFL?
0: Yeah, so it's, um, it can be overwhelming if you, um, if you let it be, right, because there is um, so much work to be done. So a lot of that is, is prioritizing how we go about this. But our, our main overarching mission is to create a culture where Uh, you know, our nirvana would be, there are no barriers to success, right? So what can we do as an organization to first, we need to identify those barriers, accept the fact that we may have some, you know, and then move past that into, okay, how can we make this space um, more achievable for success for for people by removing those barriers? So, um, so we're looking at, you know, just a number of things, um, you know, The idea of how can we help employees uh, bring their full selves to work every day, not feel like they need to conceal any certain part of their identity or or minimize it or diminish it. Um, One thing, you know, for for me in my experience, when I, you know, like I said, I grew up in the football operation world. Um, When I started, I was a young single woman in my twenties, and by the time I was promoted and then moved into this role, now I'm married, I have small kids, so that working mother piece. became part of my identity as I grew through that role. And it. sometimes I felt like I needed to work around it. And I really feel like we need to create an environment where that is, we're just accepting of the whole self and saying, if you need to leave because you're being an involved parent right now, we celebrate that and we support that. And we know you're getting your job done and do what's best for your family, and right? That's, that's where we want to get to. So that's just one, one example. Um, and a lot of it is education. So I think we all have a lot to learn um, like I said, about everything, but also about what does diversity and inclusion mean, and why is it important, and why is it everyone's job because it really is, even though it's my full time role, I strongly feel that this is everyone's job to do better and be better in this space. So how can we equip our employees with that understanding and the the tools needed to create change on their own?
1: Great, yeah, and I love that you broaden that. It isn't a department within a corporation, within a a club, within a, it is something that needs to be embraced by everyone within that organization. And you can lead that cultural change and educate and drive policy changes where needed, but it is something that is everyone's role and responsibility.
0: Exactly. Yep.
1: And I think, you know, right now, you know, the killing of George Floyd has made Minnesota the epicenter, right, for this change on social and racial equity issues. How are you and the Vikings sort of approaching this work?
0: Yeah, so I think, um, obviously, that that shook our whole world and our community here in the Twin Cities, in particular, as well, um, to a level that we really haven't seen. And I think what it's brought to the surface for so many of us is just that need to connect and understand each other and believe each other's lived experiences and value those. So we're doing a lot of work in terms of um, just having conversations with staff, with each other. Uh, this is a group of people that cares about each other, right? We, we work together. Obviously, before George Floyd, we were thrown into kind of this remote work World, uh, all of a sudden, based on the pandemic, some that we're not used to that we're just getting used to that, and so connection has just been of the utmost importance and listening to each other's perspectives. So, so what we've been trying to do is create that cohesion among our staff, provide opportunities for staff to be vulnerable with each other, um, be and have that be a very safe space to do so, and and learn from each other because I find that that is so eye opening. Storytelling is so powerful, and when you hear someone's story, it can wash away any other perspectives or assumptions or prejudices or stereotypes you might have had swirling around in your head before you really took the time to understand what is this person going through? How have these events specifically impacted them? What has been triggering for them? Um, you know, for a lot of us, um, me speaking as a white woman, you know, this hit me differently than it hit our Black employees. They've been struggling with with these issues in a different way for a long time before George Floyd. So there's a lot of just sort of, a lot of work to be done to just understand how we all came into this situation and what we all need to be supported as we process it.
1: That's great. And you're right. I think the stories, right? Getting to know <laughs> each other through those stories So that we can, I love how you phrase that, believe and value other people's life experiences. That is a great way to phrase it. Yes,
0: there's, there's so much importance in that because the more we do that, the more we're going to move past and get out of our own heads, right? What we think, because we don't all know everything. I think I already said that (laughs) earlier in this, in this episode, but it's so, so, so important to just recognize what we don't know and where we can learn from others in order to be better ourselves. So that is, I feel like that is all diversity and inclusion work too, is kind of letting people feel safe and letting go of thinking they need to know everything and therefore making decisions based on maybe poor assumptions or not a full um, slate of information and being open to different perspectives that can just drive better progress. So I think it all goes together.
1: Well, and I think when, we step across the threshold, either virtually or in person into work mode, you're rewarded in work for what you know, your expertise. And showing that you don't know something can feel like you're sort of jeopardizing your professional brand or, you know, you will discredit yourself in some way. So creating that space within that kind of construct can be hard. So I applaud you for doing the work. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It is, it is, um, You nailed it. And I'm scared to do it too. Right. But also I came into this role, um, not knowing a lot, but willing to put in the time to learn. Love it.
1: And that's what we all should do. Um, you also saw a need and we addressed it a little bit earlier, right. Of kind of being one of the few women, you know, in the room at the table and you saw a need for women in the sports industry. And so you brought the national WISE organization to the Twin Cities. Can you tell us about that group and what led you to start this chapter?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, WISE, for people who aren't familiar, is a national organization, Women in Sports and Events. It was started in actually Washington, D.C. back in the 80s. Um, I should know this. We have a lot of chapters now. I think we have over 20. Uh, but it was it's, there's been a boom in growth in chapters since about 2016. Um, And how I found out about WISE was I was at a conference actually in California, the ESPNW Women in Sports Summit, which is a really amazing event. It's going virtual this fall, but hopefully it'll be in person again. And I would encourage people to check it out. It's a really uplifting couple of days for women wanting to hear from um, women in the sports and events space. And it's just it's just an amazing event, and I was there and I connected with a woman who worked for Fox Sports Los Angeles. She just said to me, "Well, don't you have a Wise chapter? Because she's in LA and they have a large chapter that's been around and very active for many years." And I said, "No, what is that? I had never even heard of it." So she told me all about it. I took that back to the Twin Cities and started doing the work to um, to create our own chapter. And after about a year, we got uh, up and running, and we are going through our third year of programming this year. So the idea behind WISE is exactly what I was looking for. It's it's to create a community of women working in the industry to support each other, to network with each other, to provide each other opportunities, to learn from each other, to develop together. Um, And that's exactly what we try to do through all of our programming. And I I cannot say enough how, how helpful and impactful it's been for me in my own journey. Um, specifically, moving from the football side to the business side this past year, there were a lot of things I didn't know about just, um, you know, budgets and how to run events and um, committees and, and all kinds of things. And I learned all that through WISE, right? I learned that over the last couple of years, I got exposure to kind of a, more of a business operation type role, and it really helped me be set up for success now. That's great. Good.
1: And so who is it open to who can join?
0: Yeah, so anyone can join. Um, we have women. Um, a lot of our membership is is women currently working in the industry, but we definitely have members who are women looking to get into the industry or, or women who just want to learn more about um, these types of careers or just network for their own reasons because their business interests might kind of butt up to what we do sometimes and there might be areas for partnership or or mutual growth and a lot of the programming we offer is not specifically uh, sports oriented but really just kind of women empowerment and business professional development opportunities that could be um, you know beneficial to people working in all different kinds of industries
1: great Good. Well, we'll make sure to include that uh, link within the description too, so that people can find it. And uh, yeah, it is absolutely. that having been a part of the organization this last year, it is, as you just said, been such a benefit to me personally and professionally, and to be able to look around the room and see, you know, women doing this work and women that have gone, you know, before us in the industry um, is always really inspiring. And I've met some fantastic women through that group. So thank you for launching it and getting yes. us going
0: here in the Twin Cities. That's great to hear. And we do have, um, I we do have some work to do, I think, in terms of visibility among college students, too, because um, I know that I, myself, if I had even known about this Possibility to have a career in this industry, which I didn't know when I was in college. Really, uh, wasn't focused on it in any way. Um, this would have been so beneficial to me. So we do have a college membership available um, at a deep discount, and we are actually working on some programming for this upcoming ap- academic year to kind of guide college students who might be thinking about going down this path, especially now. What does that look like post-COVID? Um, how? So we're going to go. We're going to operate it with that theme of how can Wise help? Right. We have none of us know how everything is going to look post COVID, but we do have a lot of expertise among our board and our membership that we'd love to share with that, that group. So watch for that.
1: Good. Great. Looking forward to that. Um, And speaking of college, I mean, you were a French and communications major, (laughs) uh, which I think just, you know, goes to show that your degree is not your destiny. Uh, Tell us about that transition from for you from college into your career and some of those early years?
0: Yeah, so I chose French because I literally, I was 19 years old, I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, some people I think are really fortunate to know that at an early age, and I consider 19 to be a very early age to decide. Um, although my nine-year-old daughter did tell me the other day that she's, she needs to know what she's gonna do for a job by the time she's 10. So she's working very hard to identify that now before her 10th birthday in May. So you know, we all come at it from different angles, but I was 19, I had no idea. Um, All I knew was I had a really inspiring professor, um, this woman named Vera Tyson. And she was born in Italy, was raised by her grandmother in France, married a man from Germany. Um, She was just so worldly and she spoke, I don't even know how many languages she spoke fluently, but it wasn't about the subject, it was about being around someone who inspired me to, learn more and understand more. And I think that the through the act of learning a language, you just learn to be curious and you learn so much more because you're not, not learning just vocabulary or sentence structure, you're learning about a culture, um, a different way of life. Um, it, it introduces you to a larger world and more possibilities and a global way of thinking. Um, so so I majored in French and it was interesting because now I'm in sports, um, it's hard to find that connection. so. What it was for me was right out of school i got a job working for a french travel agency did that for um, three years and uh, it was a small company we had an office in minneapolis one in paris there wasn't a lot of room for growth the french travel job to the pga tour job did that for a couple years it was 50 percent travel which was great for me in my mid-20s wouldn't it be so great right now um, decided i wanted to stay home i was Um, close to being engaged to my now husband and uh, found the job at the Vikings as an executive assistant. And here I am now. So it's, yeah, it's been a completely winding, unpredictable path. And by no means was that determined on my graduation day from college at all. And I just changed careers again, if you want to look at it that way a year ago at the age of 40. So there are infinite possibilities to reinvent yourself and to take what you've learned and turn that into something else. And who knows what I'll be doing a few years from now.
1: That's great. And that's good advice too. And I think when we work with students, I think so often they put this pressure on themselves, like, what am I going to do for the rest of my career or, you know, build a career in this, but it can evolve and probably should evolve as your values, your situation. And,
0: experiences change yeah absolutely and be open to that and it it can feel scary i think to to take a leap and change everything and and walk away from something i was very comfortable in my football role for for example i i knew the cba like the back of my hand um i i was confident in my ability to do my job um i was a subject matter expert so to speak and in a you know in this tiny little niche of nfl contracts but um And now I'm definitely not an expert in any way, shape or form, but I'm passionate and I'm dedicated to what I'm doing. And that is going to just continue to drive me. Absolutely. Good.
1: And you talk about being passionate. Um, Since the first time I met you, I've seen that (laughs) passion and been such an advocate for female empowerment and, and gender equity. But how do you think playing sports sort of fosters the leadership skills in girls and women?
0: Yeah, I think there's, it's infinite. Um, You know, full, full disclaimer, I'm a terrible athlete myself, but I value sports so much. It was my culture growing up, my family culture, right? Like, who did the twins play this weekend? Who are the starting pitchers? When, you know, what time are the games? What are we going to eat for the game? You know, like, are we going to go to what, like, it it was, that's just how I grew up. We revolved around sports and the, and the, and the kind of the camaraderie that can bring. Um, So, There's so many lessons to be learned. Don't be afraid to fail, right? Um, You need to fail to get better. You need to. You absolutely need to. Most of my biggest lessons I've learned are from failing. Um, You can't do it alone, right? Like I can't do my job alone just because I'm in this role and this is my title. We have a diversity and inclusion council I work with at work that helps me get different perspectives and helps me prioritize. I talk to other teams, other Practitioners doing this work, so I am by no means doing this alone. I have my team, so to speak, supporting me. Um, and and learn to you learn to prioritize, right? You can't get better at everything at once or overnight. You have to be patient with yourself, and you have to trust the process and and let the growth kind of come to you. So I feel like though they're all represented by by being in a team sport or any kind of sport really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Are you ready? for some rapid fire questions that I have for you. I think so. (laughs) All right. So maybe this will set up a lot of people's teams, but uh, fantasy football number one overall pick.
0: Well, I'm going to go with kind of the obvious one. And it's not a Viking. By no means am I disloyal to my team. Um, But I go with Christian McCaffrey, uh, running back for the Carolina Panthers, who I have to say my seven-year-old son is actually a diehard Panthers fan because that was his flag football team last year's. Um, so so he'd agree with me on this one, I think.
1: All right, yep, that's a great pick, good. Uh, favorite female athlete?
0: <laughs> Maya Moore for yeah. not only what she does on the court, but what she's just been able to accomplish um, in, in the real world with social justice issues. Um, I just, I could not admire her more.
1: Yeah, another great role model. Favorite
0: Olympic sport? Swimming. I love watching Olympic swimming. I'm so sad we're missing it this year. It would be going on right about now, but um, swimming is my favorite. Great.
1: Yeah, we'll look forward to 2021. Yes. Would you rather have the superpower ability to fly or be invisible?
0: I'd much rather fly.
1: Okay. And do you prefer sweet or salty?
0: Salty, for sure.
1: Last show you binge watched? Ozark. Oh, I love Ozark. All three seasons. favorite podcast
0: i love women at work by harvard business review if you yeah. have a listen to that it's it's such valuable um, insight for specifically women and the and the unique challenges that we sometimes face and it's just so thoughtful and well done it's my favorite
1: i love it well this has just been so inspirational and perfect i just we talk about girl and girls and women really and their ability to see it to be it and you are making that happen, not only through living your life, living your career, but through the empowerment and inclusion work that you're doing. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And thank you for being with us today.
0: Well, thanks for having me. And thank you for everything you're doing. I just wholeheartedly support your mission and believe in your work and honored to be a small part of it today. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Audra.
1: And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Her Next Play Power Chat podcast. We hope you've been inspired to become part of our community and join us in our mission to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. You can help support us by heading to our website at www.hernextplay.org to join our Booster Club as a donor or a volunteer. And follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Her Next Play to learn more about our programs and upcoming events. We'll be back soon for the next Power Chat.